When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. I knew it was like gonna be like the last season of like with all my like old teammates, I guess. Yeah. So that was really hard because I was like, okay, I'm, now I'm not gonna play with them ever, probably. So that kind of sucked. Welcome into the Mighty Oregon Podcast, presented by Oregon Community Credit Union. I'm Rob Mosley. Niara Sabali's career at Oregon has been one strange twist after another. It's hard enough to rebound from one devastating knee injury, let alone two. And to top it all off, a global pandemic shut down her third year on a team that had national title hopes. We all know with certainty that despite what South Carolina thinks, <laughs> Oregon was going to win the national championship that year. <laughs> no doubt in my mind. <laughs> Sabali's now in her fourth year with the Ducks, healthy and looking forward to hearing Matthew Knight Arena rocking again. This is the Mighty Oregon Podcast. Oregon women's basketball player Niara Sabali. Your mother's from Germany. Your father is from Gambia. Was born in Bandon, Oregon. For all the places that life and basketball have taken you, is it Berlin that feels like home? Um, I would definitely say yeah, Berlin feels like my home just because I've grown up there for the most of my like uh childhood and like the, the finding moments I've made was uh, were in Berlin so I definitely say Berlin when you're growing up well first of all what, what how big is your family uh, we, obvi- we all know your sister Satu obviously but how, how big is the family that you grew up in um I have six siblings um three younger ones and three older ones I'm exactly in the middle um, and most of my family is in Berlin Except for Satu and then my younger brother Lamin, he plays at UTSA. He's a freshman there. I mean, it's this is a major world metropolis. I mean, how close to like the heart of the city 
I mean, how urban a, a, a upbringing did you guys have? Um, very. Well, we lived like right in the city. It's like it couldn't be closer to like the hot spot. It's like we live right in the middle. So uh, there was always something to do um, and a lot of traffic around. <laughs> <laughs> you have you, you spend a fair amount of time in Gambia, too, right? What, yeah. what, what was your exposure to that country, that culture? How often when, when you were growing up? Mm, not as often as I liked. Um, more, well, we lived there um, from when I was two to when I was five. Uh, I don't really remember a lot from there. And then we tried to go back in summers, but it was it got harder the older we got just because of our schedules. Every time we're there, it's just so much fun. And yeah. it's, I don't know, it's so different. It's such a diverse continent. Gambia is like this lush green coastal mm-hmm. it's just a sliver of coast but coastal <laughs> so you so where uh, you know where on the country were you more inland were you guys on you know close to the coast because yeah. your, your father like they still have the house that yeah. he grew up in is that mm-hmm. right? yeah yeah we still have the house uh it's like 10 minutes from the beach okay. like walking distance so we were right on like the beach and we would go there almost every day and just hang out at the beach Swim in the ocean. <laughs> What's a West African beach like? Is it sandy? Is it rocky? Is it? Um, it's sandy and very wavy. Like okay. there are a lot of big waves. My mom would always freak out when we would swim out a little too far. So you 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 ha- you you spend your time either in this awesome metropolis with a ton of stuff going on or on a beach. It sounds like a pretty good childhood. You have pretty fond memories of growing up. Yeah, no, definitely. Always a lot to do. Always people around. Always a fun time. What kind of role did sports play like when you were really young? Were you guys playing a lot of sports or were you just busy with other pursuits? Um, I don't really remember us like being that much into sports. We did gymnastics when I was younger, before I started basketball. Um, so that's like the only thing I really remember. And then, I mean, in school, just like a little, but we weren't really that big into sports when we were little, little. If we think of gymnasts as in tiny packages. <laughs> I know, right? You're on the taller side. Like, what? when did you have growth spurts? Um, I want to say I had my growth spurt when I was, like, 15, after I quit. I was kind of t- small when I was doing gymnastics, so I kind of passed this. <laughs> yeah, you know, your mom does modeling. Like, does your dad have much of an athletic background? Not really. He always tells us that he's a great soccer player, but I've actually never seen him play <laughs> soccer. <laughs> so I don't Can't really confirm that. Exactly. <laughs> so do I understand correctly that you guys hadn't really played basketball when somebody just saw you in Berlin and said, hey, you need to come try out? How does that story go? Yeah, basically, it was. we were like on a playground just playing, not even like playing basketball. It was like a normal playground with like swings and a slide. Um, and then this lady, which happened to be our first coach, just came up to us and uh, told us to like come to the basketball tryouts, which was for a boys team. like for boys, so we started playing with boys. Um, because we were kind of tall, and she probably saw a mom pretty tall, so she was like, oh, they're gonna like be very tall kids. Sure. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how it started. Do you remember like what your guys' reaction was? Like, were you like, yeah, let's do it, or was there some hesitancy? Um, I don't really remember, I really don't. It was so long, it's been so long ago, I just know that I didn't like it at first. <laughs> but I just kept going, because Satu kept going, so it was just. So Satu took to it. Yeah. She liked it. Mm-hmm. What was your hesitation? I don't really know. I feel like I just didn't really want to do that much sports. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, my mom kind of pushed me to do it, and 
because I mean you see your older sister doing it you're like okay I might as well also go so I'm not doing anything else it's such this twist of fate I mean who knows where your life would have taken you if not for the, if that <laughs> random lady hadn't been walking by and seen you guys playing in a park very true <laughs> what do you think you'd be doing now I have no idea yeah I feel like I would have like found my way into sports eventually yeah. just because of my like yeah. height sure I feel like it will be like a waste of like if not her somebody else would have said you got to come play basketball <laughs> exactly. yeah what just so what's the culture of athletics you know youth sports in in germany and maybe in berlin specifically and and also specifically for girls um it's it's okay i would say it's sadly it's not as big as here i mean i don't think anywhere it's as big as in the u.s uh there is it's different because we have club teams it's not in like it's not with your school you don't play with your school you play like in separate clubs so you actually have to like go out and find the clubs so and are those associated with like towns they're just like kind of private i guess it's uh in berlin there were multiple just because it's such a big city um we ended up starting at like a smaller um kind of team and then we went on to a bigger team that had a better girls program because when you can play with boys till you turn, I think, 14. And then after that, I mean, it's kind of, it's self-explanatory. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then uh, we started playing with girls and we moved, uh, which I had to drive an hour to practice just to find a better girls program. And that girls program was actually really good. Um, they put like a lot of effort into it. So, But for as big a city as Berlin was, it didn't have a really high-level youth girls program that would help your development not really like the program i was at was i want to say the best uh they were winning like championships also at like a a national level so they were really good but it was just i mean one team for a huge city right um now it's kind of getting a little better um so that's good um for boys it was always kind of because Alba Berlin, that team kind of exists, and they have a big youth program, so it was easier for boys, and now they, they're kind of starting to uh, develop their girls' programs also, which I think is really cool. Is it fair to say you think Germany has the numbers and the talent to be competitive on the international level, more so than it's been in years past? Um, Yeah, definitely. In the, in, in, in the future of yeah, the women's game? Uh, future speaking, definitely. Um, there There's a lot of talent in Germany, and I think... It just needs to be like a little bit more coached up. Welcome, welcomed, encouraged, yeah. all that. Yeah. So seven kids. How many girls? Um, three. Three girls. Yeah. How competitive or not were you guys with each other? Not competitive at all. I, well, not competitive sports wise. Board games very competitive, like very competitive. But like sport wise, not really. We what was the family board game of of choice? Uh, Monopoly. Yeah. Yeah. So were there some epic blow-ups? Yeah, definitely. We <laughs> a lot of uh, fights around Monopoly. Like, did somebody usually have the edge uh, when you guys would play? Or was somebody most likely to throw the tantrum? Um, it was always a different person. I threw a board once. My little brother threw a board once. It was always, <laughs> it was always a different person. But the way, you know, obviously for our fan base, you know, Satu. Uh, is the sibling of yours. They know best for obvious reasons. And and the way the two of you guys grew up in the game, Mm -hmm. am I right that there wasn't a whole lot of overlap for you guys in terms of like being able to play 
with or against each other, just the age group, the way the age groups worked out didn't happen much? Yeah, no, definitely. We didn't really play together or against each other. Uh, we played together once for when we played for a school in a school world championship. That was like, I think in 2017 or 16 even. Uh, so that was really cool. Uh, it was in France and we even got to the final game. Uh, we lost that game. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun uh, sharing like the court with her. Yeah, you, and you know, you must have imagined when you got here there would be more of that. I know, right? Unfortunately, fate had different uh, a different idea. You start playing. Satu gets the bug first. You're a little more hesitant. At what point? How old do you remember being? Was there, you know, a coach or a team or an experience that you remember thinking that's when I really kind of embraced the game and and, and accepted, you know, that I might have a future in it. Um, I want to say when I was like 15 or 16 years old, just when it got like kind of to international play, I would say just because then you got to play like against other national teams and you were like, oh, we're actually pretty good. Like I'm yeah. actually pretty good in like on a national level, not just like in my small club in Berlin. But yeah, I would say around that age when we started playing with the national team. And what about like international? Like at, at what point are you starting to like travel places to, to play the game? Mm. I would say also, I want to say the U16 when yeah. you're, actually no, U15 because you play like a little cup game against like Sweden and Norway, Denmark, uh, but like actually like for European championships is when you're, I played my first European championships, I want to say when I was 16. Okay. It was in Portugal. For a country like the United States, which is pretty big and also kind of pretty isolated from a lot of the rest of the world by some large oceans. Like international travel seems so exotic. <laughs> when you grow up in Europe yeah. and there's like eight other countries bordering yours, it might not feel quite as exotic. Like did that feel like a big deal to be competing quote unquote internationally against other teams, national teams, other countries? Mm, I would say yes, definitely. Like it was always a cool experience. We always looked forward to that like in summer because it was like the whole summer you would see a lot of like I've seen so many countries just because of basketball, which I think is really cool. Um, I've been to places where I probably would have never went if it wasn't for basketball and played against teams I probably would have never like even known of. Sure. So I think that's really cool and it that's like something a lot of players look forward to is like the summer to like travel. Like we don't really have AAU but we have to like travel in summer. Certain sports, you know, I think of like uh like tennis players, tennis players who grew up in Europe, you know, choose between, do I just go pro and start grinding my way up the circuit or do I go to the United States and go to college? Those are kind of the two feeder paths. When you're a youth basketball player in Europe, does it, does it kind of feel like you, you make the same choice? What, what kind of opportunities were you considering when you're 16, 17 and you're starting to think about your future? Um, definitely for me, college was kind of always an option just because I like that's something I always wanted to pursue. Um, so for me, it was kind of, I did have that thought like, oh, because all my friends were going professional after their uh, like high school was done. So I was like, oh, honestly, I could just go professional, make money now. But I kind of also wanted like the experience in the U.S. And just uh, my parents obviously wanted me to finish my school, which is a big 
plus factor. I probably wouldn't have done that when I would have been professional just because it's really hard to balance school and professional in Germany because they don't really correlate a lot. So do you have friends you grew up with who have been pros for like four or five years already? Oh yeah, definitely. I have a friend, most of my friends play all over Europe uh, and in like different teams. I have friends that play in France, Spain, Italy. So that's kind of cool to see, but I'm glad I chose like the college route. What was the presence of like Dirk Nowitzki when, like when you guys were growing up, like what kind of specter did he cast over the country, over young players? I would say, I mean, obviously pretty big. Everybody knew who Dirk was. Um, I just remember for, when I was like 15 and like took basketball a little bit more serious, that's first when I got like really introduced to Dirk. And we had like a camp where uh, he came and spoke. So like they kind of tried to like incorporate that, uh, which I thought was really cool for like the younger cuts, kids to see such a legend. Sure, and that's what he was. He was a legend. No, definitely. Like everybody in Germany knows who Dirk is. He's a tall player who's also skilled, mm -hmm. and it's hard not to look at your game and say, "Oh yeah." Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, are do you think it's right that taller players are encouraged to be a little more skilled? You're seeing it now more in the States, you know, guys like KD and things like that. But in the past, I think over here, we were used to a seven-footer just stand in the post and get yeah. rebounds and make layups. It seems like European, the European game was kind of ahead of the curve. Like when you're doing drills as a young player, are you being encouraged to do like guard stuff, not just like forward post stuff? Um, I would say definitely yes. My uh, coach who coached me like from when I was 14 to 18, um, he really put a lot of emphasis on that. Um, he had us like running as much as the guards, doing the same drills as the guards. So it was never like really positioned. Um, and he always like said that eventually basketball is kind of become a positionless sport, which I mean, kind of it's taking kind of their direction uh, towards that. So, you know, if, if, if Dirk was that on the men's side, was there a female player that you and Satu and, and girls of your generation could look up to back then? Sadly not. Really, that's like one part I wish we would have had more exposure to, but I really didn't even know anything about women's basketball players until I actually came to the U.S. Like, that's when I first started, like, oh, actually watching them and, like, kind of looking how they play and really, like, trying to, like, model my game after Yeah, that. having role models. Yeah, yeah, have, like, a role model. So I wish that would have been a bigger thing but in germany just there was no exposure to it like you had no idea who even uh the, all those great players were of course you heard names like Hans partner britney griner like diana tarasi you heard those names but you never like saw them play yeah. because you also don't really have access to watch wma games in germany now the games ex only exploded over here in the last mm -hmm. few years so yeah so is it possible that like you and your sister are going to be those role models um, I mean, hopefully that's like a big uh, thing, especially for German basketball players, yeah. like young girls, um, that they have somebody to look up to and like see that uh, they can make it and they can make it into the yes, they can. I mean, the status in the WNBA, they can make it to the WNBA. So I think uh, that's a big thing. Um, I think we need more like female basketball players from overseas that uh, are like approachable. The Ninkasi Better Living Room is a restaurant and gathering space in Eugene's Whitaker neighborhood celebrating food, art, beer, and community. The BLR's kitchen celebrates locally sourced flavors of the region. 
while complementing the unique flavors craft beer drinkers enjoy. Plus, come taste innovative beers from their five-barrel pilot system you can't taste anywhere else. For more information, menus, and reservations, visit ninkasibrewing.com slash Eugene. Perpetuate better living. Working together with Oregon Community Credit Union to produce the Mighty Oregon podcast just feels natural because I've been an OCCU member for as long as I can recall. Whether I was building a savings plan or securing a car loan, Oregon Community Credit Union has always treated me not just like a customer, but a friend and neighbor. Learn more about OCCU and how they've been supporting ducks for over 60 years at myoccu.org slash grow dash O. Every Wednesday at 7.05 p.m. Pacific during football season, Jerry Allen, Mike Jorgensen, and Joey Mack go in-depth with Mario Cristobal and assistant coaches on the Oregon Football Coaches Show. The crew takes you inside the program with weekly opponent breakdowns and stories only the coaches can tell. Listen via the Oregon Sports Network or watch the show on Oregon Football Facebook and Twitter or the Go Ducks YouTube channel. The Oregon Football Coaches Show, live every Wednesday at 7.05 p.m. Pacific. Stady, they make it Stady work pretty hard, running the floor, just sobbily laying in at a foul. And one for Niara. Playing college basketball in the United States was a priority from a fairly young age. Yeah, I would say, yeah, ever since I like started to do like the national team stuff, I was like, oh, like I'm actually good at this. Like I could play in the U.S. In, on a high level. So in, in some regards, that seemed like maybe like out of your reach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> before you re- knew what your potential was. And then once you knew you were good enough, that's what you wanted to do. Yeah. And is Oregon just kind of a slam dunk choice for you once Satu had, had decided to come here? Uh, yeah, kind of. We kind of always knew. I mean, the dream of playing together was like the big thing. And like I knew my mom was really pres- like wanted us to go to the same college just because it's easier. It would have been easier. But uh, so whenever Satu committed, I kind of knew that I was going to commit. Um, and... I took my visit here, and I, I mean, I absolutely loved it. So I was like, okay, this is not even, yeah, like a decision I have to make. Like, I know I want to come here. That little, I mean, the little group you had with Ruthie and with yeah. Audie, like, were you guys all instant friends? Um, Do you remember? Yeah, kind of. They, I, I'm kind of like an introvert, kind of. So they had yeah. to like kind of drag me out. Sure. <laughs> Which, I mean, Audie is very extroverted, so she had no problem <laughs> with that. You so, didn't have a say in that. Exactly. In I didn't really have a say in our friendship, but I mean, I'm glad they got me out of my shell. Satu is so, I don't know if outspoken's the word, but she is very comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, voicing her opinion on social issues. You know, being a brand ambassador for different brands. I mean, she seems very comfortable in that role. Is that not naturally your uh, your way of being? Are you a little little more? You said introverted. Yeah, I would say I'm a little more introverted. Uh, not tattoo is just really like she says was on her mind. She like is comfortable around a lot of people. Um, I'm kind of more the opposite. I guess that's where we really differentiate each other. Sure. Um, but yeah, I would, <laughs> I would say that. 
takes you a little bit longer to get to know people, exactly, kind yeah. of get comfortable with different situations. Yeah. But yet you're also, I mean, you love traveling. So clearly you're not afraid of experiencing new situations either. Oh yeah. No, I love experiencing new things and like meeting new people. It just takes me a little long. <laughs> you spent your first two years here recovering from knee injuries. Mm-hmm. When did the first one take place? Um, the first injury was in the summer uh, when I was playing in a European championship in 2018. And, and that was, was right before you were going to come here? Yeah, it was in the uh, final gold medal game where I tore my ACL. And did you know, what was the play and did you know you were hurt? Um, it was a like contact, like non-contact play. So it was kind of, uh, think about it, it was kind of a little stupid. But, yeah. uh, but that's how a lot of those injuries happen. You're just yeah, cutting, you just, plant. I was just jumping and then landing and then something like popped. And I, I mean, in my head, it wasn't an ACL because I didn't even know what that was. I was like, okay, no. Sure. I just a little, I just tweaked it a little, but. I was able to walk. It was just really swollen. Um, but I had, hadn't experienced such an injury yet, so I didn't really know what it was. But then I went to the doctors like a couple days later and then they confirmed that it was an ACL. You're only like a few, what, weeks from coming to Oregon to start yeah. your freshman year? <laughs> yep. And realize your dream of playing with your sister and join this amazing team that has national championship aspirations. Yeah. Mentally, that must have been really, really hard. Yeah, definitely. In the beginning, I kind of didn't really realize what that like meant. Like, that, like when they tell you, like, oh, yeah, you're out for nine months. It's like, okay. like, And it was my first injury, so I was like, okay, that's it's hard but it's fine like it's not that bad are you thinking i maybe i can come back faster yeah it's it was kind of like i didn't really think about that but then like when i got here and then when the game started that was kind of harder because i was like oh i really can't play then it like kind of said but you you were still committed to coming here the program was still committed to you being here oh yeah definitely they were great like uh they reached out right away uh we scheduled i had my surgery here we scheduled everything uh, I mean, the team was amazing and welcoming me and like integrating me in the team. I never like felt left out or anything, so that was really, really that's cool. awesome. So if you had to go through that, it sounds like you feel like you had kind of the support system. Yeah, definitely. I mean, my sister was here too. I mean, our coaches are are amazing. Kim uh, helped me a lot <laughs> to everything, so that was mentally that year. Was it any kind of a roller coaster for you? Do you feel like you ever just kind of settled into, well, this is what I'm dealing with? I mean, it definitely was a roller coaster, especially like on game days. It was always harder because I wanted, I really wanted to play. But uh, I mean, it was such an amazing year. Otherwise, I mean, we made it to the final four, so I couldn't really be that upset <laughs> about that year. So it was still a lot of fun. And now, what does fate? What magic does it have in store for us here in Tampa, Florida, as we prepare for the final four? This massive group is coming into Amelie Arena. And so are the first-time Final Four participant, the Oregon Ducks. Their fate has finally brought them here to take on a two-time champion, the Baylor Lady Bears. You, do you still feel like you could enjoy that experience? Oh, definitely. Take even some pride in that experience of being part of the program? Yeah, definitely. It was so much fun like to see everybody play and like to go that far and have that like whole final, final four experience uh even if it was only from the sidelines it was still my amazing experience so at what point do you start feeling healthy getting back into do drills you know that, that first year when does that happen it was the first year kind of took me a little longer i was i want to say 
June, July, um, which I mean, I guess it, it was right around that nine to ten month mark. Yeah. Um, but I had a couple issues with like my patella tendon, and it just t- kind of took a little longer to have like contact. Um, but I would say around June, July, where I was like kind of fit again to play. And then. And then I went to Germany and toured again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah happened again. <laughs> exactly. In like my first practice against contact. Your first practice. Yeah. But it also happened in a non-contact injury. So I was kind of just, and at, when that happened, I like kind of immediately knew. You've been through it before. Yeah. And I kind of like ran off to the side and I was like taking my sleeve off and just stressing out. I called Kim um, and then I like did an MRI in a hospital because uh, that was like the only spot we could do it that fast. So we went to the hospital, did an MRI. Uh, and they actually assured me that it wasn't torn. So <laughs> that was actually... So they gave you some hope at first. I know. Yeah, they told me it wasn't torn. And then I went to a second opinion in Germany. They also told me it wasn't torn. So so now you're feeling pretty good. I know. And I <laughs> get back here after the summer thinking I didn't... Tor- uh, like thinking it wasn't torn. But in the back of my head, it kind of... I mean, it didn't feel right, obviously. Um, and then Kim kind of helped me out of practice for a while just to make sure, like, because she knew I kind of injured it back then. Uh, and we saw the doctor here, and then he, like, took a look at it, and we did another MI, and he said that it was torn. At that point, are you like, no, 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 I've been told twice it's not. <laughs> yeah, I was... I think I'm okay. Yeah, that kind of shocked me because it was, it was weird because I went into the doctor's office, and he looked at it, and he was like... Oh, yeah, hold a surgery appointment. I was like, what? <laughs> like, I was really confused. I was like, what do you mean, surgery appointment? And, like, they could try to, like, calm me down. It's like, oh, no, just, like, just in case there's something. He's, like, leaving. He has to, like, have some, like, said. I was like, oh, okay. And then the MRI. I'm pretty sure I slept during the MRI. <laughs> but when I woke up, they kind of, like, immediately knew. I didn't even really have to wait for the doctor to tell me. Was that one harder to process just because it had happened again? Yeah, no, that was definitely harder to process just because, I mean, because I thought I was fine first and then yeah. it kind of wasn't, so yeah. that was kind of hard. Uh, and just because I knew it was, like, going to be, like, the last season of, like, with all my, like, old teammates, I guess. Because uh, you're part of that. Yeah. Sabrina, Ruthie, Satu group i mean that's yeah lydia aaron i mean though that's yeah you feel like part of that team mm-hmm. yeah but that was really hard because i was like okay I'm, now i'm not gonna play with them ever probably yeah. so yeah that kind of sucked what, at what point do you meet sedona prince um so i met sedona in like that was my sophomore year yeah uh she came into our team i actually didn't even know she committed here until like came here she committed like in the middle of summer okay but but i wasn't here Got so it. i didn't really know who that was uh and then i met her in our old apartment uh when we did like a team thing uh you remember your first impression uh she was very warm and welcoming hugged me right away very touchy person i'm <laughs> <laughs> not really like that but i mean with sedona you can't really Right. If she wants to hug you, she's gonna exactly. she's gonna give you a hug. Yeah. And I mean, her hugs are great. So, <laughs> Nier and I talked for the fourth quarter, and we were like, we're gonna go to the Sweet 16 on our first year. 
and we came out and she dominated and um, and also you know our teammates allowed us to to get good post ups made amazing entry passes and so it was just a collective you know effort of we're gonna get this we're gonna win and we're gonna go to the Sweet 16. I saw a video of us hugging after the game and that describes us and what we've been through. Um, when I came here, we were both so like broken and we didn't know if we were going to play basketball again. And hugging her after this game and playing with her, she is such a fun player to play with and I just love her so much. And watching where we've come and now leading this team to <laughs> the Sweet 16 is, is incredible and it feels so good. And I'm just, I'm so proud of her because it's been so difficult for the both of us and she has powered through so hard. It makes me like want to cry because I watched since the fourth grade when I started playing basketball of people, you know, celebrating these kind of moments and in March, how amazing it is to see. And this year's a little bit different because of COVID and it's it's been a struggle all year. You know, fans, my parents haven't really been able to see me play. Um, they are in the stands today. So playing in my home state and um, in a gym that I played in, in high school is it's so amazing and now being able to go to the Sweet 16 and experience even more of this is going to be amazing. You guys, I think, have become paired, I think, in, in kind of people's minds, both for going through the rehab process and then kind of the force you ended up being once you guys got to play together. What was the... So she's going to hug you whether you like it or not. Was she like, we're going to be friends whether you like it or not? Like, what <laughs> was that? <laughs> what was that? What, how, what was the process of really getting to know each other and then how much did you lean on each other through that year? Um, I would say just because we literally went to, to the exact same thing. I think we injured, even injured uh, ourselves at the exact same time, the first time we got injured. Uh, she just did it at the American Cup and I did it at the European Cup. Yeah. Uh, so that kind of connected us. And then uh, obviously we were in a rehab facility all all the time together in the weight room all the time together so i think it was just us uh being th that close uh kind of led into our friendship being really really close when you're with someone and you're going through that mentally there's you know it's got to be kind of a roller coaster mentally do you do you find that you're kind of synced up and riding the same waves of emotions or is it different and you've got to help each other and kind of lean on each other at different times mm, I would say it's like kind of a mixture of both uh, there were times where she would feel more down uh, or there were times where I would feel more down and then she would be there for me or I would be there for her but you kind of like sync up a little and like when the other person is feeling back you're kind of like oh yeah. <laughs> like because you feel for them and you know what it feels like right it was so much easier with her around uh, than it was my first year doing it all alone by myself. Uh, just having somebody like on the sidelines with me, uh, supporting me and doing the exact same thing I was doing <laughs> really helped. So do you guys um, get to the point where you can start doing drills around the same time too? Like it, um, wh when do you actually get to start playing basketball together? And what I'm really wondering is when do you start to get a sense of like how well you might be able to kind of complement each other and, and work together on the court? I would say, I mean, Sedona kind of practiced more than I did. Like, she kind of practiced almost all year. Uh, there were a couple of times where she couldn't practice because of her leg. Yeah. But she started practicing, um, like, way, way sooner than I did, and she was doing great, and I, and I was just watching her, like, 
be a great player. I mean, the great player we know she is. Yeah. Uh, I started a little later. I kind of started getting back into practice, like literally, I want to say two weeks before it all got shut down. <laughs> so that was kind of a bummer. Yeah. Um, but, and then kind of in that off season, we kind of like did a lot of individual workouts together. Um, and then kind of this summer and then following up the next year. Yeah, you hinted at it there, but your first year at Oregon, you rehab a knee injury. Mm -hmm. Your second year at Oregon, you rehab another knee injury. And then right at the end of that year, (laughs) COVID hits. Exactly. (laughs) What was your COVID experience? Obviously, it was devastating for the players who were on the court. I mean, we all know with certainty that despite what South Carolina thinks, (laughs) Oregon was going to win the national championship that year. No doubt in my mind. (laughs) Was it, you know... Again, even though you weren't on the court, did you still experience that same kind of devastation of being denied, the program being denied that opportunity? Yeah, no, definitely. It was heartbreaking. Like, at first it was just like a big joke to us just because we didn't know what, like, what was actually going to happen. And then when it happened, we were so shocked. It took a while to process it. I think it was like two weeks after, like, actually I canceled. We were like, oh, my God, like, we did not get to finish our season that's crazy and everybody was so like upset and like it was genuinely just something that we never thought would have happened so and not only do you have to deal with this but presumably you're like separated Mm -hmm. because of covid protocols and all that stuff it's not like you can hang out and yeah no it was really hard because right after like everybody kind of left and some people like i remember uh some of our lucy and holly just Lucy literally left on the same day because she was afraid she couldn't get back into uh, her country. This is Lucy Cochran? Yeah. Who ended up later transferring. Mm-hmm. And Holly Winterburn, same. Yeah. yeah. she like They like left the same day and I was like, oh my God, where are you guys? Like, yeah. what is happening? So, Lucy's from Australia. Holly was from Great Britain. Yeah. And they just didn't want to get stuck here, Exactly. Basically. So they left as soon as they could. They literally got on the next flight. So they left and then... Did you think about doing the same? Uh, I thought about it for a moment, but I wasn't really sure what was going to happen. Uh, so I decided to stay because I also yeah. needed to do my rehab here. And I was kind of more worried about my rehab. Yeah. And I mean, Satu's draft was also coming up. Right. So it was just a bunch of things. <laughs> it was just so weird. Yeah. yeah, she had that. She, you know, not that this the pandemic wasn't hard on everyone in different ways. She did get to kind of transition right into... Mm-hmm. You know, they're in the wobble, mm-hmm. as they called it. But she, she, you know, she goes right into being a WNBA rookie, and um, in some ways, that probably was a probably welcome distraction for her. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a sense for that? Like, did you know? Was she kind of lucky that way in a way that some, a lot of the rest of you weren't? I would say I don't really know if I would have wanted that to be my experience. Yeah. Uh, because it was so strange just because it was so strange and like mentally draining i mean i i still had a great summer in eugene okay even though it was covid but we got to like just be out and like go to the lake because i mean that's as long as you're outdoors that's all you can do and i mean oregon is a great place to be quarantined i guess because there's so much to do um like outside and not stuck inside your apartment that was like i think the worst part yeah and just experiencing the ncaa double uh ncaa tournament i could not have done that in the bubble just yeah. straight for two months like so you didn't envy satu no that experience. I, I didn't yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not really that makes complete I was sense i was kind of free yeah. even though you couldn't really do anything indoors right. or 
you finally get to play last year, and obviously it's not normal conditions. I mean, you haven't even had – you're going into your fourth year. You haven't had a quote-unquote normal year yet. But <laughs> how, how do you remember last season and, and getting to finally play and you guys make a run into the postseason despite a whole lot of adversity? You know, you're dealing with some adversity that everybody else was in terms of the pandemic, but then yeah. injuries and things like that. Um, Tahina getting hurt late in the year. How, how, how do you remember last year? Was it just so joyful to be back on the court, or was it a struggle because of all the hurdles you had to? I would say it was a little bit of both. Obviously, I was. I mean, I was just glad to be able to play again, whether it was in front of fans or not. It was just. I was just happy to be like out there and healthy. Um, but it was just like a struggle mentally. Like you can really do anything. We were kind of isolated as a yeah. team. Like we couldn't. It was. Not till like November until we actually. I'm pretty sure I didn't speak to Maddie until November. Really? <laughs> because we were in different workout groups. Maddie Shearer, who's on your team. Exactly. We were in different workout groups. We lived separate. We weren't really allowed to meet outside of practice. We literally didn't lift together or practice together till like preseason. A normal off season, you're just to, you guys are all together all the time. Exactly. Like. And it's it was just super weird, and then we didn't didn't get to know each other that well, and then but like once we got to know each other, it was like oh this is actually like yeah. a really really cool team. But of all the years to have that be the case, yeah. kind of a re, it wasn't <laughs> rebuilding because you guys still had a great year, yeah. but I mean it was such a new look roster. I know it was it was hard because it was I mean we had so many new people, we had seven new people on what yeah. seven or eight new people, so not being able to like hang out in the locker room was yeah. a big thing just because that's where you kind of get to know your teammates. Um, so that was kind of hard. And just in general, all the getting to know each other's games too. Yeah. It was, it was just, did she like to go left or right. Where mm -hmm. did she like the ball? It was just super weird. A super weird year. No fans. Like you had to kind of bring your own energy to every yeah. single game. So that was kind of hard. Um, but then, I mean, we made a, it was still a lot of fun. Obviously we had some, uh, great experiences in postseason, which was a lot, a lot of fun. Yeah. Even though it was in a bubble, right. <laughs> still, right. I mean, we still had fun. We made, the, I want to say, we made the best out of it as a yeah. team, and I think that kind of made us a little stronger and grew a little closer together. I mean, now we're really, really close. Yeah. So I think that really helped us. Were there times last year where you'd be like, to the new players, wait till you see this place full of fans, because there aren't yeah. many home crowds. <laughs> For college women's basketball like Oregon. Yeah, definitely. I we told them all the time. We were like, "Oh, this is nothing like it usually is," and you guys are gonna be like blown away by how many like supporters we have. It's, it's like you can't really imagine it until you see it. And I'm pretty sure they still don't really know how it's gonna be like. Yeah. I mean, on this team, never nobody has ever played in front of them. Like right. not one single player. Because Sedona and I didn't play, um, but. I think it's going to be really exciting for everybody just to see how much support there actually is. What will make this a successful year for you personally and, and for the program in your mind? Um, I think just knowing what to do now, like kind of going into my second year, like now I've already played, I mean, I've watched two years. I played one year, so uh, just kind of that experience and um, just being able like to feed off my teammates and the energy in the crowd. I think that's going to be a huge part, especially in our home games. Um, that's going to like push us a little better. You didn't mention we have to win the conference, we have to go, we have to do this in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. It's really just about experiencing the game, enjoying the game, 
So because you've been deprived that the last three years, you're not really thinking about results. You just want to enjoy the process. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I'm 100% certain if we play the game we're supposed to play and if we enjoy our time, we are talented enough to go all the way. But I think for that to happen, we just need to like take it day by day and get better at the little things and just... I mean, at the end of the day, you're just going to remember what the time you spend with your teammates. Not really. I mean, obviously, if you win a national championship, you're going to remember that. Sure. But it like it matters more, like the bonds you kind of create. Yeah. And like. And you've been denied that the last few years, so you maybe appreciate that more than others exactly. might. Yeah. Some random practice that ends up being really memorable because <laughs> yeah. some joke somebody made or some time you got to spend together. No, definitely. What about long term? I mean, where where do you want the game of basketball to take you, and where do you want life to take you? Um, long term, I mean, I definitely want to play in the WNBA and just play professional. I'm really excited to like play in Europe again, just be closer to home a little yeah. and be uh, more in a familiar kind of setting. Yeah. Um, I kind of miss the whole overseas life. Yeah. Um, no, you grew up this world yeah. traveler. So, <laughs> I'm really excited for that. Um, and then I don't really know, just playing basketball as long as I can and then seeing whatever whatever life holds. <laughs> is, is Berlin home? Like, you think you'll end up back there? That I really don't know. That's a really interesting question. I really, like, people have asked me that before, like, where do I see myself living in, like, a couple, yeah. or, like, where do I see myself settling down? I really do not know. It could I could end up living anywhere yeah. for all I know. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the Mighty Oregon Podcast, presented by Oregon Community Credit Union a production of Sport and Story and Learfield IMG College. You can support this podcast by going to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review the Mighty Oregon Podcast presented by Oregon Community Credit Union. Special thanks to Niara Sabali, ESPN, the Pac-12 Network, and the WNBA. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.